be inspired to love life, to achieve extraordinary feats, and to change the world around you for the better. Welcome to Love Your Life, Tell Your Story by Kathleen Marriott. Love Your Life, Tell Your Story with Grant Morn. In his second story, Grant tells us how in his late 40s, he unexpectedly found himself going through an incredible journey, one filled with ultra marathon running. It's a journey that truly puts the boundaries of human endurance to the test. Here's his first story about ultra marathon running. It's great to see you again, Grant, and I can't wait to hear your second story. It was great, your first story, telling us about growing up in that little hamlet of Charlestown, Dudley, Cahiba, Redhead, and hearing about you living and loving that life of being a young boy and the healthy lifestyle that you lived. So tell us, what are you going to share with us today? Well, I'd like to tell all folks about the sport that I've been involved in in the last 10 years, and that's long-distance ultra-running. That involves running anything over the typical marathon distance, which is about 42 kilometres. My uh, forte is usually about 160 kilometres or 100 miles, but I have done races up to 1,000 miles as well. So I'd like to tell the folks about how I actually got into that at a a sprightly old age of 47. Well, we would love to hear about ultramarathons and I am extraordinarily in awe of you. So I am sure we would love to hear about that and how on earth you run those distances. So please share your love, your life story with us. Okay, well, this is how it all started. My occupation these days is a super yacht captain. I drive these luxury large yachts around the world and I was working for a wonderful family from Chicago they had a 210 foot motor yacht 64 meters and the owner's son came on one day and uh, he was a little bit younger than me but he was looking really fit and I said what have you been doing mate and he goes I've had a midlife crisis I'm going to try and run a marathon he said you've got to come out and train with me today and I laughed at him I said I haven't run seriously for about 25 years you know I've been working at sea and traveling around the world. And he said, no, you're coming out. So we went out and ran for three hours up and down these mountain roads on the Amalfi Coast. And when we got back to the boat- And just to clarify, the Amalfi Coast is in Italy. Yeah, on the beautiful section of of Italy near Capri. Yes. And uh, anyway, after we got back from the run and I was trying to recover and hobbling around the boat, he said to me he was going to try and run a 50-mile race, which is probably about- uh, I don't know, 60 or 70 kilometres. And I said, that's impossible, mate. You'd probably die trying to do that. And he gave me a book by an ultra runner called Dean Carnassus in San Francisco. And that night when I was an anchor watch on the ship, I read that book from front to back and I was absolutely amazed that people were doing this sort of stuff. And I was almost um, upset that I hadn't heard about this for the last 20 or 30 years. And straight away, right then, I decided I was going to uh, start running again and try and run one of these ultra marathons. And that's what I did. When I got the boat back to Florida, I signed up to do a marathon. I went and ran it. And two months later, I ran 100 kilometres. And then a month after that, I ran 200 kilometres in a race. Just like that. I've done about (laughs) 90 races over 100 kilometres. So is this part of this boyhood curiosity that's been part of your essence since then that suddenly you know, sparked into deciding to expand and become part of your 48-year-old self? 
absolutely. You know, it's the thing that drew me to ultra marathon was wondering if I could actually do it. And still to this day, when I sign up for a race, I wonder if I could get through it, whether, you know, it might be a race over the mountains or a desert or across an ice sheet in the Arctic pulling a sled. And I'm always curious if I can do it. And that's where it all stems from. And that stems all the way back from when I was a young kid in Newcastle, curious about doing all sorts of things and um, seeing if I could do it. And uh, that still lives within me with a strong flame to this day. And that's what drew me to this endurance sport. Can you explore that within you and share it with us? What does it take to be able to run those type of distances? Well, it boils down to a couple of things. But the primary thing that you have to get over or have within you is stubbornness. And um, of course, you have to be a little bit fit, uh, but you have to. <laughs> I think that's an that understatement. <laughs> yeah, but you really have to accept that it's going to hurt, yes. and you're going to be in some sort of pain. But you always think, okay, it's going to get to a certain level of pain, and then it won't, can't get any worse. And you just have to hold on for however many hours that might be, another 10 hours or 30 hours until you get to the end of the race. So can you explain, so while we're here in that hours, can you tell us about how many hours does a race like that take? Well, my personal record for running 164 kilometres or 100 miles is under 15 hours. It was 14 hours and 53 minutes, and I ran that from Key Largo to Key West in the Florida Keys. But that was on tarmac and it was pretty flat, but it was incredibly hot and humid. So it was difficult. Uh, but I've done other races of the same distance in mountains where you have to do a lot of climbing and descending and wading across raging creeks and things like that. And it's taken me over 40 hours to finish it. So it depends on the terrain and what sort of speed you can do. And what's going on inside you in that in that time frame? What's happening inside? You know, one of the main questions that people always ask me is is what do you think about when you're out there for all that time suffering and a lot of the time it'll be you're thinking about everything and self-checking your health and your body and things like that but most of the time i like to be thinking about absolutely nothing and you have to to be involved in endurance sports particularly ultra running you have to learn how to turn your brain off because if you keep thinking how many hours you're still going to be out there feeling the pain that you're feeling You'll just quit on the spot. So you have to turn your brain off and basically become a zombie. So it's a flow. Is it in a flow that you get to? Yeah, you have to get in some sort of zone. And not everyone can do it. No. I think I can do it because of my upbringing and, you know, I was pretty healthy from a young age. And also I'm, I'm convinced that it's because I've worked at sea for many, many years. And when you work on ships crossing oceans, it can be very boring and you might be out there for weeks and weeks on end just seeing nothing but water and a horizon and the sky. So you have to turn your mind off again, thinking about instead of thinking about how much time you're going to be out there. And I think that helped me get through endurance sport. And particularly when you're running in the middle of the night time, you have to be able to get over the sleep deprivation. And I've done things like I've been awake for five days and had two or three hours of sleep in five days while I'm running some of these races. Want to keep the conversation going and connect with like-minded, positive people changing our world for the better? Be inspired by fellow changemakers and join our closed Facebook community to keep the conversation going. Search Love Your Life. Tell your story now. And what emotionally are you feeling? Oh, you go through the entire gamut of emotions. Seriously, at the start line, everyone's amped up and stoked and chatting and getting ready to get out there. Once everyone gets into their zone after the start, 
then, you know, you start feeling how difficult it is or, you know, you might have an injury or it might be steaming hot or freezing cold. And, you know, during the entire uh, the time that you're out there, you might go through every single emotion from despair, anguish, crying, happy. You know, it's, it's, it's the whole bag. And how do you cope with those emotions during that time frame from 15 to 30 hours? Uh, once again, you just have to be stubborn. You know, people will tell you all the time, if you're running one of these long-distance ultramarathons, if you get into a low spot, you just have to hang in there because it might get better. It usually does. You'll go low and then you'll get high and then you'll go low again. But you have to get over the low spots. And that in the low spot is when most people quit the race. So if you can get through that low spot until it gets a little bit better again, more than likely you'll finish. So do you have a series of options that you use for those low spots? My options when I'm in a low spot is thinking I have to finish this because I don't like to leave things undone. That's the sort of person I am. Um, I have quick races, but I think only three or four out of those 90 odd races that I've done and only in, you know, very extreme conditions. The only person that can get you to the end of these races is yourself. You might get some help. There'll be aid stations along the way and race crew and things like that. But the only person that can get you into the end is yourself. And you have to be determined within yourself to get through all these problems and issues and pain and suffering to get to the end. And when you get to the end, you think that was all worth it. So it sounds like that you weigh up your reality, your emotions and your and you, you do think so as much as you were saying you didn't, that you do think because you're problem solving along the way there. So there is some thinking, but only when it gets to those options for at that very low spot, there's a trough to get you past that threshold. Yeah, you're always, you always problem solving out there. And yeah. uh, you can go through a lot of things, but there'll be a point where your body, where your brain actually takes over and it's a self-preservation Yes, I hear that. It, we it can hear that. It will try and stop you and try and save you from yourself. And then that's the time that you have to deal with, is my brain doing the correct thing? Or can I go a little bit further without uh, getting myself into dire straits? So there's a lot of uh, back and forth. There's a lot of weighing of options yes. and a lot of problem solving. And yes. then after that's all, when it's all back into uh, equilibrium, then you can turn your brain off again until the alarm goes off. At some and back to the flow until you get back to that low point again. And then what I'm hearing as well, Grant, is that from that essence and that curiosity, I can hear there that, and please correct me if I'm wrong here, there's a lot of self-trust. Oh, you have to be absolutely confident within yourself and you have to know yourself and you have to know your body. It's imperative that you know yeah. your body. You have to listen to your body. Yes. You know, you can wear all these fancy Garmin watches that tell you what your heart rate is and your VO2 max and all this sort of stuff, but inherently you have to know what, what you're feeling inside and you have to deal with it because you, you're the person driving the bus and you have to maintain the bus. You have to decide if you need to get assistance or help or whether you can get through that little uh, problem and keep going. So it's all about knowing yourself. So when you said before that you think that your experience as being a ship's captain assists you in these long marathon, ultra marathon runs, I think that's where 
I heard you before, is that correct, that you said that that helps you because in what I'm hearing here is that you're the ship's captain there in this, but your body is the vessel that you're maintaining. Is that the same sort of analogy? Yeah, that's a perfect analogy. And also working at sea, it's a dynamic environment, so it's changing every single second. You have a, a general plan, you know, about your navigation and your safety ports of call and things like that but things can change in a second so you always have to be ready to adapt and overcome little problems to get back on the straight and narrow to get to your safe port and it's the same with ultra running you have all these deviations that are caused by internal and external factors that can stop you yeah. getting to the finish line so you have to deal with these problems all the time so it's very similar to being at sea yes i can see i can see that and i think we can hear that we can hear that you're your experience at sea, which, you know, must be a whole nother love your life story. <laughs> um, could be, we're here for ultra running, but I can hear that that would be a brilliant story in itself, that managing external factors like the weather or the snow, because could you just um, share, when I'm sure this is going to be a story ahead, I, we, we hope so that you will share future stories on some of the spectacular places that you have ran. Uh, the weather conditions must be extraordinary and the conditions of where you've ran. Could you just share a couple of places before we finish up where you have ran? Two of the most uh, extreme places I've run. One is Death Valley in California, which is registered as the hottest place on earth. There's a race there that's 135 miles long and they hold it in the middle of summer. And uh, I've ran that race seven times and on <laughs> some years it's been up to 56 degrees. And the tarmac is so hot, the soles of your shoes melt. You try and run either on the white line on the side of the road or in the sand beside the road so your shoes don't melt. So that's it, that takes incredible um, re resistance internally and externally to yes. get through that race. But on the other side of the coin, I've run up in Alaska. I've run along the Iditarod Trail in Alaska, a 1,000 miles, and I've also ran in the Canadian Yukon all the way up to the Arctic Ocean to a poetically named village called Taktoyoktak, and the temperatures up there have been down to minus 60 degrees and you're pulling a sled and you've got all your, your cooking gear and your safety gear and your sleeping gear in the sled, but you're out there by yourself for days and days without any assistance. And that takes another type of dealing with these extremes. And some people say, what, what do I like running in more, the, the hot or the cold? And I tell them I like doing both because they both have separate problems that have to be dealt with in specific ways and uh, you have to be totally on top of things and know yourself internally to get that through those sorts of races. Amazing. So here we have external pressures from extreme weather. We have internal pressures from the body being placed into extreme conditions. We have what we call top-down processes for the brain giving signals and bottom-up processes for the brain for the body giving signals to the brain so this is extreme athleticism and then um, obviously placing the, the the body into extreme conditions for you to put yourself through stubborn situations and to place yourself in curious conditions have you got a story to tell we'd love to hear it Connect with Love Your Life, Tell Your Story now on Facebook and Instagram. Can you tell us how many times you have 
succeeded to achieve your outcomes, not just to complete the races, but to then, I believe, win. I've won a whole bunch of these ultra marathons and I've been on the podium many times. And because of my age and I'm 58 now, people think it's unusual that I can do this sort of extreme stuff. But people after their 40s have a lot of endurance, surprisingly. I'm one of the better ones at it. And I put that down to my upbringing, you know, what we talked about earlier, the healthy lifestyle and then going off to sea and working and doing that lonely sort of tough work in extreme environments. I like getting through there just so I know that I'm capable of doing those sorts of things. I think the self-focus is important. It is a very um, self-focused sport um, because of what you have to do, and that's fine. So we have um, loving your life without doubt because you must, to, to love your life and tell your story on this show, you must be self-focused. There's no doubt about that. So this is without doubt an extreme self-focused sport. <laughs> and I think you have to enjoy time with yourself and not inherently a bit of a lone ranger and that comes from working at sea as well and then being out there in these environments by yourself for days and days and days you have to be uh, happy to be with yourself and, and I am very comfortable to be alone for long periods of time and that helps as well. Yes and I think that's one of the strengths of being able to do this and I think you've explained that extremely well to us that you are capable of uh, self-reflection, being able to self-monitor, being able to self-control and being able to endure extreme conditions. And I really admire what you have done and I'm sure everybody who has listened has. And we can't wait to hear your third story where I believe you're going to get into telling us some of the extreme conditions that you have endured in some specific races and tell us some wonderful love your life experience in these races and we'll be looking forward to hearing from you again um, next time you're on love your life so looking forward to your third story and today i'd like to thank you for being on love your life it's so wonderful to see you and so wonderful to hear your story grant so thank you so much for sharing this story it's so great to have that have your story shared. Oh, absolute pleasure and, and these sorts of sports and things are not for all people but i know that the lounge chair adventurer loves to hear this sort of stuff. So I've got little tidbits and stories and of adventure and, and mishap along the way, and uh, I'm happy to let everyone hear about them soon. And I know you can um, follow you on Facebook and on Instagram as well to get more of your stories. So can you just tell us your handle on those Facebook socials? One is pretty straightforward. It's, it's GrantMorn640. I was born in 64. The Instagram one is called Dingo Fish Express. And in the ultra racing world, that's my race moniker. And the Dingo Fish nickname is a long, long story. And uh, the Express comes from the reputation I have for just keeping going no matter what the conditions. All right. And of course, you can follow Love Your Life, Tell Your Story on Instagram as well or on our Facebook page as well. You can join the group. So you'll find Grant there if you need to as well. And then you can look him up on his Instagram and then you can follow his adventures wherever he goes and see his story continue. So anyway, thank you for today. Thanks, everybody. And we'll talk to Grant next time he shares his story. And we can't wait. Thank you very much. This is only part of our story. To hear the rest, leap forward to the next podcast and give us five stars wherever you listen. 
Love Your Life, Tell Your Story by Kathleen Marriott.